It's Wednesday, March 30th, and this is Talk Commerce. Sam George is a master of two things, discerning trends before they are recognized as trends and communicating these ideas to the public at large. Sam was convinced he was insane. When anyone would not respond to his message, he would get upset. The process is predictable. He thought something was wrong. The delay must be related to him. He wrote a book, I'll Get Back to You, to bring this issue to light and let people know they're not alone. It's important to realize that these emotions and thoughts are normal and can be changed. We discuss some of the main topics in the book, as well as some tactics to help you communicate better. Talk Commerce is brought to you by ChipBot. Are you enjoying answering the same question over and over every day? Do you wonder why people are leaving your site? Are you sick of knowing how many carts are left abandoned, moments away from a sale? Or are you just getting exhausted thinking about parsing all that data from your website? I recently found this great tool that I installed on the Talk Commerce website. You can see it live right now at talkhyphencommerce.com. Chipbot Pylons and Chipbot Nexus are two tools integrated into one plugin that helps you manage your site smarter. It took me less than 15 minutes to configure and install. I have a thumbnail video that I recorded myself and I can instruct visitors on something to do and an action to take. You also have the option of configuring different action items like send me an email. Through Chipbot Nexus, I can answer questions and more importantly, I can learn from my clients by listening to what they are asking for. And if you thought it couldn't get any better, you can log into your dashboard and get metrics on what your visitors are doing on your site. During the installation process, I got fantastic support and Chipbot helped me to make my bot even better. Try it today, it's free. Go to getchipbot.com and sign up today. That's getchipbot.com. G-E-T-C-H-I-P-B-O-T.com. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. All right, welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have Sam George. He is a author and digital communication expert. And we had a great little green word conversation about discommunication and communication sometimes, how it can go awry. Sam, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us uh, maybe one of your passions. My passion in life is philosophy, and it informs everything I do. My background by vocation is I've been in politics, doing ballot measure campaigns, working for important people like George Soros, being advisor, Nancy Pelosi at the highest levels. But my work in politics was doing messaging and media. And as I got older and couldn't handle the, the war zone, I started moving to digital, doing digital advocacy, getting groups, sort of. And then I moved to digital marketing to raise money for organizations, political organizations, uh, nonprofits that I had created, as well as my own yoga company. And, and that's how I got into digital marketing. And that's what I'm doing today is digital marketing. But so I try and bring that digital marketing to this book. But the book itself really was more to do with my, my interest in philosophy. 
Okay. And I know that uh, we had originally kicked off with some of these ideas, these concepts of when you send a text and you might not get a text back or you might somebody might misinterpret that text. How does that contribute to disinformation or discommunication? Really, it illustrates the whole issue. So let me explain it. There's actually a sender. That is a set of a set of a sequence of symptoms which happens when somebody doesn't return your message. Okay, and uh, what I've done because of my background in politics, Brent, is I've actually done numerous polls to validate. So when I talk about the next five sequences, seventy percent plus and statistically valid polls have said this. So I'm going to say oh, you do this, and so I know people do this. Okay, and your listeners can relate to this. So here it goes. It could be a person doesn't return your email or your text. And after a while, the first stage, is it doesn't take long for you to start wondering. And depending on how busy you are, you get a little anxiety, agitated maybe about what's going on here. And the next step in this, in this process is that at some point you decide something is wrong. You've caught up with people a million times and nothing was wrong. So why do you decide that something's wrong when there's usually never anything wrong? But you decide something's wrong. And then the third step is, what's after that? Is now that something's wrong, it has to do with me. And the, this is like clockwork. You jump to a worst case explanation, usually bizarre of why the message is not returned. And it could be your wife's at a conference, you texted her three times, and you've been married for 30 years, but the back of your mind is, is she with somebody? To show that kind of distrust to someone you love, that happens, you know what I mean? And I use that example, that doesn't always happen, to show that in creating these crazy scenarios, we frequently you know, are attributing negative reasons for it to people that we care about. So there's an element of distrust and there's this crazy. And then the next stage is that, you know, you just can be in the narrative. You keep on catastrophizing. It's a negative loop, which is the last thing. You can't get it out of your head. You try and see yourself, well, it's really because of X, Y, and Z, and yet this thing comes back. And this is the essence of the, of the experience that this book was initially about. You talk about, and so there's a couple aspects of this. The, the one is not re- responding to a message. The other one is a response that you're reading in some sort of emotion into that text. So you may get a response and it sounds short and you may assume that they're upset about something. That's the whole thing is that what this experience unmasked to me is that the essence of whether it's the issue you're talking about, whether it's too many ales, whether emails are being misunderstood, where it's an unreturned message, you name it. That the essence of this is the lack of an immediate feedback. Brent, right now, you and I have an immediate feedback. You say something, I listen, we clarify, I read you. You know what I mean? Even if I didn't have your face, I could read your verbal intonation. So essentially, that's direct feedback, and that's the system that we've relied upon since the beginning of time till about 1990, when these emails started becoming um, more prominent. It's not the technology. Okay, 80% of our of people open up their emails on their phones. 100% text. We're using the same technology, the telephone that we used to use to talk to people. It's not the telephone. So 
there's a lack of clarity of really what the problem is. And so we've gone from an immediate feedback loop, you have direct communication, either by phone or in person, to one where there is no concrete loop, it's a broken loop, and there is by definition no immediate feedback. And this opens Pandora's box for the kinds of things you you just mentioned. And it goes on ad infinitum. It, the problems never cease. The number of relationships that are broken up, about a fifth of them are through text. I believe 6% of the people are fired through text. And frequently texts are involved in the genesis of that, that of the problem. So emails and texts, think about it. We've This is the biggest shift, bigger than the printing, printing press. The printing press was about books, about writing people, writing communication, this is about us and our relationships. And so discommunication simply means communication without instant, immediate feedback. And do you think the issue is the fact that somebody – so the issue is more around expectation of feedback because the idea of sending something and getting feedback has been around for hundreds of years. If you think about the telegraph or the telegram and even people getting fired – People have been fired by telegram in the past. So is it more about expectations of I'm sending you something I would like, to, I'm expecting to get something back right away. Is yeah, that no, more of the I, essence I, of it? My research shows it, it's not. As a matter of fact, I, cons- I consider telegrams to be the first text messages because there was some sensitivity. I don't know. Do you remember the Cuban Missile Crisis? I'm not quite that old. Okay. But. <laughs> Anyways, the closest that the world came to the brink in the end, there was a conflict between John Kennedy and Russia. They put nuclear weapons in, in Cuba, but they the, the whole thing unfolded with telegrams, text messages, and there was so much confusion. It just created and added, and it wasn't until John Kennedy's brother, Bobby Kennedy, sat out and talked to the embassy in a direct conversation and so the rule book came almost to an end about text messages. And so what did they do? They created a hotline, a phone line, with direct communication so that the rule would never end. You see, that shows you how dangerous the lack of immediate feedback can be. So it really it's talking about universally. So it is partly what you say. It is partly the expectations. For example, text messaging is... Oh, my God, there, there's a higher expectation than in emails that a message is returned. And so someone's quicker to go to the gun and say, my message isn't returned. Absolutely. So the expectation does play a factor. But this would happen. But this happens anyways, because psychological reason this happens independent of our expectations. But you're right. The general sense is that this is how we're wired to be and that. Whether it's even beneath expectation, it's the way we're wired. You know, it doesn't matter what we expect or expect. And that can have some effect, like in the areas of text being a greater issue in terms of that particular thing than, than emails. But overall, we're not wired for this. We've been genetically, culturally, our evolution is to expect direct feedback. And this goes against everything we have come to date every class we've taken in school, everything. No one's ever taken a class about emails and texts. We're just a bunch of illiterates running around trying to communicate. Jesus Christ, you had 12 classes in, 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 in speech and in, in writing in, in, in high school. How many in college? 
nothing on how to write an email or a text. And it shows. So what if we're framing this into a business sense, you spoke earlier about being a digital marketer. How do you communicate well with your clients then to make sure that they're on the same page. There has to be a there has to be some degree of written communication. There there has to be a balance between the two. How do you balance that out? In my case, I'm a more of a cold digital marketer. I get universes of people who have history of giving political donations to the people for the causes that are related candidates and causes. So I begin with a fairly familiar universe, even though it's cold. They're used to getting these emails, and then I, what I do is. I try and build credibility with them. And then a lot of repetition is the key. And of course, we know one of the most fundamental things is that you have to spend a lot of time and figure out the kinds of subject lines that will create curiosity to get somebody to open your email. And this is where people, when I give solutions at the end of this book for lay people, they completely miss the boat. The worst thing you can do, and I'm talking about everyday people, is to put the subject of the email in the, in the subject line <laughs> because they're not going to open up. The biggest reason people don't open up emails is they, they either don't see them or this is very common. They see them and they file them in short-term memory and just face it off. And either they eventually get back, but that didn't stop the syndrome from going off or doesn't come back at all. And so you have to, and what I tell people is, just the first word, what's the first word that comes to your head? Just a word. Organization? That's heavy. Can you think of another word? <laughs> <laughs> fun. Fun. Okay, put fun in the subject line. What I tell, this is what I tell lay people, but in terms of digital marketing, to the extent that your people are involved in that, I don't know their degree in sophistication. Even people in e-com, it's important that if you're corresponding with people, that you have subject that get them to open the email, that you track. And I assume that your pe people listen to this, know all this, but you can never do enough of it. You can never do enough in terms of testing and experimenting with subject lines, with call to actions, things of that nature. But I don't know all the different parameters of e-commerce. I can't speak to all those. I do know that businesses have to communicate that so even in your own communications as a way of business, if you ask me a specific question Brent, about e-commerce or marketing, I, I'll be happy to answer. Yeah, I think I, I was more referring to the, your relationship with the client being the, the agency or let's say in your case, the politician has some expectations of you as a marketer and what you would like to do. Your communication you know, with you that know, person. I'm in my in my relationships, in my stuff, because... Brent, I do my own stuff. The people who are my clients are me. I became a digital marketer through experience and uh, knowledge and some training. I didn't, I, so I'm fortunate. But I can tell you that with clients with, in politics, I did do digital advocacy with clients. I had the University of Ab uh, Phoenix we created a, an interest group on, on the environment, on religion. And these people would, I mean, we'd have groups of 100,000 people that we'd have to activate. And so the biggest, with advocacy, you don't have sales. <laughs> so the biggest challenge was in the case of digital advocacy is, what good is this doing? I'm spending a lot of money. You're showing that we have more and more people here. You're sending so many emails, that, that. But, but what, where's your proof? What, what's your proof here? And so that is, 
And I think that remains a tension because even if there is for anybody, the bottom line is this effective. And I think that I, I think that is that something that you have to deal with. Yeah, that's right. I think this is a good this is a good illustration of how we can get through communication gaps just by speaking and having some direct. We'll get through this in thirty minutes. Where if you're trying to do this via text, it's going to take you hours. I guess what I was trying to get to is the expectations of a person. Let's just say who has this concept that they would like to get out to the broader public and say, "You, uh, Sam, you are the person who is responsible for getting that communication out." So if I'm the visionary, I'm the person who has this idea, I'd like to go to you, Sam, to try to transmit that idea out to the whole general public. We have to be on the same page in what we're trying to get out. So we internally have to have good communications to make sure that we understand what it is you would like to, or I would like to get out to the bigger bigger audience. I think in part the podcast is that, but really you have to read my book. Obviously, this podcast is partial because I go through... And I, pro- I provide very concrete cases, not abstract stuff like I'm talking about, of a business situation, of a romantic situation, of, of, of a family situation. I, I go through different situations, a friendship situation, where these things cause major problems. Then there are ways that people can their worksheets, and then there's a general strategy. But it's education. Before you go out and tell people about unreturned messages, the first thing people will say to you is, I don't know what you mean. It's hard to get people to get wrap their mind about these mess, these things, even before, even with calls, unreturned messages have been driving people crazy for a long time. You know what I mean? It's just that we have a lot more now. We all know about this, but here's the irony. When I talk to people, I would say 99% of the time, it's the first time anybody has brought them up the issue. Hey, I go crazy when somebody doesn't return my message. No, no, we don't talk about it. It happens to a lot. In fact, on a daily basis, on a, on a, it's the it's the most crazy thing besides dreams. It's the most crazy thing we do on a regular basis. It's these weird things that go through our over an unreturned message, and we do this because we're not wired. Essentially, our our brain is wired to complete patterns, and so when the when the brain just can't complete a pattern, essentially it will force you to create one of your own. And that's why the, la- the worst case scenario you know, comes in is because it's a definitive closing of the loop. So since we're not wired to do this, no, I, so I would tell people to basically get the book. They may or may not want to communicate this, but I think it's important that they share with their friends and the people they communicate with some of the things that they learn in the book and so that they understand. Yeah, and so maybe we could highlight a couple of points there. I think one of those is... Yeah, I can give you some points, just some basic points for the average person. Like I said, the first point is what we've discussed, and that is people, (laughs) the main reason people do not open emails is for these three reasons. And don't return. They don't see it gets lost, okay? ton of emails. Look at your box. The average worker gets between 90 emails and sends 40, so we don't see them. This is very significant. People see them, but they don't open them. They file them. Now, they could. Like, we have our phones with us. We see these emails come in. We're looking at It's not like we couldn't if we wanted to open them. It's just that we're focused on something else. Not like we're in Bermuda. We can open these. So technically, we don't. So if you put, so you've got to, that's where it comes down to what we said before. You have to have, you know, the subject line. 
And the third thing is that is they just they so the third strategy, the reason why people don't return emails is that even if they quickly open them, they scan it and file it. They don't read the email. Today, scanning is a big problem. So if you scan a message, effectively, how much better of that than reading the subject? You forget. You don't go back to it. You scan. So either you don't get it, you don't open it, or you open it quickly and scan it and then file it. But in all cases, you didn't get it or you're filing it. And so therefore, just what I said before, to deal with this, and I don't have to elucidate it because we've already said it, you've got to put something in the subject line that's not expected. The worst thing you can do, and what I tell people is to just do what you did. Fine, because I don't want to make it real complicated. Digital marketers like us and people in this business, we spend all kinds of statistics. Oh, your prescription is by hello. You know, I mean, billions of them. And then for sustainable relationships, I suppose there's a whole lexicon for those. I dealing with more of a cold universe. But the bottom line is. You've got to have a pattern interrupt. So they open the email, a lot of traffic. And I tell you, the research that I've done showed they open the email. They're likely to respond immediately. And, and they open and read the email. Now, the second thing is that how do you get them to not scan your email? Because like I said, even if they open the email, the next problem is they open it. Okay, so... When do they quickly scan it and put it back and don't get back to you because they scanned it and thought, okay, I'll get back to this later. Now, the way to do that is very simple. It's the oldest trick in the book, and it works. Neuroscientists have shown again and again that our first name is what stimulates us the most. It's off the charts. And so I tell people, whether it's a text or an email, to use the person's first name, address them, to use it again at the point of action, and to use it on the close. That's just a simple way. Dear Brent, then I'm going to ask a question, Brent, comma, action point, and then, thanks, Brent, Sam. They, you know, so this is a little manipulative, but I can guarantee you that people will follow a text. Brent, how do you feel? You ever have a friend of a friend who should know you? You've been at parties with them. They know your name. But somehow you're talking to them at an event, and all of a sudden you get the sense that they forgot it. Does that ever happen to you? Yeah, and I've even had times where somebody's assumed I was somebody else, and they've and then yeah, they've started a conversation. <laughs> they've had a conversation with me as though I'm, say, a doctor. So <clears> yes, <throat> that does happen to me. Good when people forget your name, oh. uh, it doesn't make me feel good at all. Of course not. Yeah. So if you go to the grocery store, some clerk you haven't seen for a month, you've only seen her maybe a handful of times, and she goes, "Hey, Brad." Well, good to see you. How are you? Brent, how does she remember you? You know what I mean? How does that make you feel? Yeah, definitely. That makes me feel much hey, better, so of course. Story, believe me, this is uh, just an example. First names work. Every salesman in the world does. We don't have to overdo it here. And to tell you the truth, Brent, you can say, I can. it always works. Even if people know you're manipulating, blah, 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 it still works, okay? And certainly... Three times in an email is very easy to say, okay, first, it's not like these are, the first two are are predicted normal. And the third one, <clears throat> so that, same with the text. It's very, very, it's very important in text because people don't address other people in text. They just, because they assume that their name is showing up because of their phone number, and it does. But you should address them to get them engaged. Then always ask the question. This is very important. 
always ask a question. Make it concise, your email, and reduce it to a single, the, the call of action should not be anything more than an answer to a question. Ask a question. Always ask a question. And when you ask the question, don't make it open-ended. What do you think? Or I need your input. You know what I mean? Just, oh my gosh, because you want to make it easy for them to respond. You want to, questions clarify. How many times I get emails? What, what are they getting at? I can't, what's the bottom line of this email? It drives me crazy. Well, with the question, it's very easy to see what the bottom line is. They put it there in the question. And then, yeah, yeah, and I think too we're talking about we're I think we're talking about a couple. We're talking about some. You would start it off with sending your wife a text, and she's not getting back to you. That's an intimate thing where you're expecting to get something back, and then you have the other end where you're sending out a thousand emails to customers, and you don't expect to get all a thousand back, but you'd like to get as many as you can. Okay, I'm speaking at this point of the discussion. I'm talking to lay people. Okay, I. There, I, I can get into digital marketing, but right now this discussion is basically how I've taken, but it's true of digital marketing. Yeah, I just want to press on this, though, because it's about expectations, and we're talking about expectations of receiving an email back. And as a salesperson, I don't always, I would love to get an email back, but if you're sending it to 10,000 people, you're not going to get 10,000 responses. Yeah, I, I agree that expectations, but this is essential, but I would say to this. Recently, I had a glitch in my database where I get on a regular basis, 8,000 uh, to 10,000 people who open on a regular basis. There was a problem with the, the CRM, the software. And all of a sudden, I was getting 2,000. Oh, shit. I, that was the end of the world for me. You know what I mean? So things can like can drive you crazy. It's like having a store. If all the people quit showing up in your store one day, how you troubleshoot that, I, I can get into that. But it's very important to, to do. In terms of, I assume the people that do, I can just tell you that not enough. So in terms of the emails that I send out, and they're political emails, I do ask a question. You contribute to us. Can you help? Every question is at the end of the question. So can you contribute? Always a question mark. I never end it with a flat statement. So and then have the the call button. It always ends with a question. So yeah, clear call to action is really yeah. Important. Always, but always a question. A lot of email this uh, fundraising. They just make their case and then they end and there's the button. Uh uh Always a question. You know what I mean? So even on that, there I can't say that makes a big difference in this particular mass case. I I have limited. I don't consider myself a digital marketing expert, but I have done some things. I could tell you some of the, the things that I use, for example. I've been using, for example, you can't put videos in your emails, but videos can really help. You, put, you can put videos, but then they click it, they go to another link, and you want to keep the click going to your landing page. But most CRMs, mine accepts it, because a GIF is just basically, it's a video that repeats and repeats the repeat. Have you ever seen a GIF? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course I have. So I will take a relevant, let's say, a clip of Trump or whatever, or some politician, subtitle it, and basically put it on there. Oh, my gosh, it, it, it works. It gets three-dimensionalizes, and people do listen to it. They can read it. You don't want to make it longer than 20 seconds. You don't want to repeat it forever. But that's one thing that I do to three-dimensionalize my emails is to provide GIFs. The second thing, now, I, I don't know how this relates but in the case of both my yoga company and my political work, I try and use earned media stories for credibility. So it'll be a headline or whatever about a senior yoga 
paragraph one, two, New York Times, then boom, all of a sudden we begin. Now it's from us, they see our masthead, you know what I'm saying? So there's a couple of techniques that I cease that I use, uh, but those are things I can tell you that I find that just so especially helpful. The whole thing, uh, digital marketing, there's a whole science of segmentation, testing, all these sorts of things. The bottom line is the open rate and uh, the money that your jet sales. I don't, that's what I go about, open rates and and sales. That's, in my case, contributions. That's what I, that's what I reduce it to. I don't spend too much time with the, with the rest of the, but you can. I'm just saying it's uh, given my limit. Come on, this is the scope of what I'm trying to do here is not as large as many of the people that listen um, to this show. Let's, we, we have a few minutes left. Let's talk about your book a little bit. What's the name of your book and, and how do people find it? The name of my book is I'll Get Back to You, The Discommunication Crises, Why Unreturned Messages Drive Us Crazy and What to Do About That. I You can go to the best way if you're trying to find it on Amazon it's a very difficult. So I'll get back to you is a familiar term. So just remember, I'll get back to you. My name is Sam George, like Curious George. Just remember Curious George. Even put Curious George. Don't put Curious. Just put George as in Curious George. So George and I'll get back to you. Get to the books. And you may. I'm in the process of writing something that for people in, in, in business. And uh, because it is the emails are in communication, whether it's marketing or business communications are at the backbone. And it's not even been problematized. No one's even said this is a problem. So it is a problem in business. But in terms of marketing, my gosh, there's you guys have all been trained in education about what works best, et cetera. I would tell you this, in terms of manage your client, don't do it by emails and text. If you're going to talk to your client about performance, get them on the phone. That's all I'll tell you. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And and then uh, make sure that you follow up with a written uh, summary. Yeah, of what I you forgot to about. mention that. Yeah, uh, well, thank you for reminding me. At what, especially with lay people, right? We do, listen, I send four a week <laughs> to the same people. I don't even care. But I'm giving them interesting contests with these videos and, and news stories, et cetera. So, what for lay people, for everyday people, I tell them, now salespeople know this, but everyday people, they're very squeamish. They think, oh, my gosh, if I send a follow-up, they'll be, for whatever reason, I would say that. But I did a study in my poll, 75% welcome the reminder. Okay? They welcome it. So I tell people within 24 hours to send a But don't mention the previous email. Just edit, copy, paste. Put a new subject line and send the email or text messages if you never sent it before. That simple. You don't have to rewrite anything because they probably didn't see it. And even if they saw it, they scanned it. There you go. Oh, that's good. What so you- we, we have a few minutes left. I give everybody an opportunity at the end of the podcast to do a, a shameless plug. So what would you like to plug today? I, I just encourage people to, to read my book. I, I believe strong. There's nothing shameful about it. You know what I mean? And the name of it we've discussed. I said, Curious George, I'll get back to you. If you're interested in this kind of book, even if you are a business person and you want to see my strategy in terms of translating some of the concepts of digital marketing, because it's always helpful when you see something compared to something else. You say, okay, this strategy here and that strategy there. But anyways, I'll get back to you by Sam George, as in Curious George. Put George and I'll get back to you. It's up to you whether you buy it. I can't, I can't 
pitch you on it. But Brent, I can tell you that you've given me a couple of great contexts at the beginning of the shoot. I'll be looking at C.K. Chesterton and C.S. Lewis the minute we get off the phone. And I want to thank you for, for this opportunity. I truly enjoyed the conversation. And your website, discommunication.com, is that correct? Yeah, it's, I think website's discommunication.com. Like communication, then dis. But people don't go to websites anymore. <laughs> right. I tell people, don't put a website link in your email. Edit, put a Put the content in there. Don't put a link into that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I agree with just that, go, too. If, you want to, if you're interested in the book, you want to find out more, whether you want to buy it or not, just put in George. I'll get back to you. And the Amazon search. That's it. All right, George. I'll get back to you. Yep. Sam, thank you so much for being here. It's been Grand a very pleasure. enjoyable conversation. This episode is brought to you by the Magento Association. Join today at magentoassociation.org forward slash join. Be part of a great and vibrant Magento community. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. Please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce, new shows out every week.